Chapter 7 of The Knights of the Square Table. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Frog Unleashed. The Knights of the Square Table by Secretary Hawkins. Section 7. Our trouble with Pooley's pals the other night didn't get out. That is, nobody heard about the excitement on the river bank except. except Doc Waters. Yeah, somehow or other, old Doc Waters finds out everything. It's a good thing he's a friend of us boys, or we would get it hot and heavy from old Judge Granberry. And not only from the judge, but from our parents as well. The boys talked over at our next meeting the usual summer camp that we would have during vacation time, and they put it up to me to go to Doc Waters and ask him for our tent and camping things. They always give me the jobs like that. Doc Waters always takes care of our things for us, and last summer, when we broke camp on the island, he took the tent and things and said he would put them away until we needed them again. Which is a good thing for us, because we got enough to do as it is. So I went down to the office and told Doc we wanted the camping outfit. He looked a little hard at me and said, I don't know whether it would be a good thing for you boys to have a camp this summer. Why not? I asked. Isn't it better than letting the boys run around loose? Yes, it would be, he broke in. If it were not for your habit of everlastingly getting into fights with some tough gang or other. I never saw the like, Hawkins. I always thought you boys were quiet, peace-loving youngsters. I never thought you'd stoop to fight such gangs as the Red Runners. And now, with this gang of knights, as they call themselves, it seems as if you are going from bad to worse. He shook his head as he turned to his desk and lit his long white pipe. We didn't go after him, I said. And we never hunt up trouble, Doc. You know how they come to be after us. We took in a new fella in our club. They come after him. We ain't gonna let him get him. That's all there is to it. And I don't care how many fellas Pooley's got in his gang. We won't take anything from him. We won't go looking for him. And when they come, they'll get what they're looking for. Trouble or no trouble. Doc turned around with a low laugh. Oh, Hawkins, he said. You like to spout sometimes. Of course you will stick up for your rights. I want you to do that by all means. But for the love of heaven, isn't there a way to do it without scrapping all the time? Now take that affair the other night. Why those pony riders could have injured some of you boys. And what if old Judge had heard about it? Or supposing your pa had got wise to it, secretary? Wouldn't he have given you a fine licking, though? But of course he didn't hear of it, and he won't. I only happened to be around and heard the noise. Nobody but me. And I won't say a word, Hawkins, because I think I can trust you to do the right thing always. I thought a heap of good, old Doc Waters. Thanks, I said. I always knew you were a prince, Doc. But we must have that tent. You just gotta give it to us, that's all. The boys sent me up here to talk to you about it, and I won't go back and tell them that you said no. It ain't like me, Doc, and they know it. If I can't get the camping outfit, I quit the secretary business and go down to Aunt Jules in the country for the summer. Not me, going back empty-handed. Doc sat a long while and smoked his pipe in silence. He put his feet upon the desk and blew smoke rings up to the ceiling. Finally, he turned to me again. Hawkins, he said, come to think of it, it might be the worst thing in the world for you fellas to do. I don't want to make you think I'm changed as far as you boys go. You know I'd stick to you through thick and thin. But I seem to think these pooley boys are the most dangerous enemies that you boys have ever had. They all seem much older than you, and they are reckless boys. Not brought up just as they should have been, perhaps, and coming out of that big town at the head of the river. No one knows who they are or what they might do. Don't you think you'd better pass up the camp idea this summer 
and stick close to home? I shook my head. No, just the opposite, Doc. You listen to me for a little, and then if you think I'm crazy, why you tell me so? Now here. We've got Pooley's Knights of the Square Table down on us. They've been around here a number of times now. They know our clubhouse and where they can find us. As long as we stay here in the clubhouse, we're going to be easy pickings for them. I say let's move out for the summer, get some nice quiet camping place, and leave the old clubhouse empty for a couple months. They can come around all they want to then. They won't find us there. And maybe, by the time we come back after vacation, they will not be bothering us anymore. Sounds good, said Doc with a grin. But where would you go so that the knights would not find your tent? We can figure that out all right, I answered. The first thing to do is to make up your mind to do a thing. Then you can figure out how you are going to do it. Doc pulled his feet from the desk and slapped his knee. All right, he rapped out. You go down and tell your captain and the boys what you told me, and then tell them the tent will be ready in two days, and have all your boats puts in order. And we got Skinny Guy's big launch, I told him. So much the better, said Doc. I saw Link. He came up early the morning after the fight, and from his looks... I think he has turned out to be a very valuable companion to you, Hawkins. You and the skinny guy should stick close together throughout the summer. Let Link figure out some things with you. That's good business. And there ought to be some others. There's Dick Ferris, I broke in. I can depend upon him, Doc. And Oliver Court, you remember the twin. Yes, I've talked with him too, nice boy. Then I have Shadow Loomis. Fine, can't beat him. And Robbie Hood and Johnny McLaren. True to the colors, both of them. And Herba Coombe. Doc turned to look at me as I mentioned the last name. If it had not been for him, he began, but I cut him short. I know what you're going to say, I said. If it had not been for her, we wouldn't have had Pooley's knights down on us. Well, Doc, you can tell anybody for me that if fighting Pooley and his knights would give me a friend like Herba Coombe, I'd fight him till I dropped in my tracks. Goodbye. And with that then, I walked out of his office. Bill Darby and Jerry Moore wanted to pitch our tent on the same place we had it last summer, on Seven Willows Island. Shadow Loomis and Johnny McLaren, as well as myself, wanted it to be a new place. Seven Willows Island is known to everybody, and our camp was always in sight of every boat that passed up or down the river. What I wanted now was a place almost completely hidden in the woods, yet not far away from the water. Well, said Dick Ferris, how about up the river someplace? I shook my head. No. There's the creek, said Roy Doble. The old mill is on the creek, said Shadow Loomis. We have found that the knights of the square table hang around the old mill sometimes. It wouldn't be safe. What do you say, Hawkins? asked Dick Ferris. The creek suits me, I said. Even if Pooley's gang hangs out there, they don't go farther than that old mill, I'll bet you that. And I know some pretty places in the crook of the bend that the old creek makes. Supposing we do camp on the creek in a spot that the knights could never find. I know a dozen places. The old creek winds around like a snake, and in the horseshoe bends there are more wild places than you could dream of. Hidden in one of these spots, the knights would never find us. And further than that, they would never suspect that we would camp around the creek, knowing they were somewhere around. Our captain didn't seem to think my idea was a wise one. He didn't reply to it, but sat with his chin in his hands, looking at the other boys. Hawkins is right spoke up Herba Coombe. I know Pooley. He wouldn't suspect. But he thinks everybody's afraid of his gang. He thinks we would never dare to come close to him. Let's make it a vote, said Bill Darby. What for? asked Shadow Loomis. Chances are the vote will pick up a place that isn't as good. 
I'm for sticking to Hawkins. Let him take care of it. He will take care of it. If you fellas pick a place that doesn't suit Hawkins, he'll go along, of course, but he won't have as much interest. You're wrong, Shadow, I broke in. You know me better than that. I'll do my share and see to it that things are run just as well as they are in this clubhouse, no matter where you fellas decide to go. Come on, Dick. Let's have a vote. We voted. Perry Stokes gathered up the votes. Dick and Robbie Hood counted. Well, said Dick, there are five votes for the island, nine for the creek. So it'll be the creek where we have our camp. All right, Hawkins, get things ready. Oliver, you go along and see to that tent. It's a big package. Let me go too, sir, spoke up Perry Stokes. I like to help Hawkins. All right, the three of you ought to be able to handle it. Now then, Bill Darby, we're ready for baseball practice. Hawkins, whistle for us when you are ready. We'll come in a hurry. When Oliver and Perry and I struck out up the river path, we heard footsteps behind us, and turning, saw the skinny guy and Harold running towards us. Thought you'd get away without me, eh? Called out Harold laughingly. Just because our captain picks out my brother Oliver to help you, Sec, is no reason why I should stay out of it. I laughed. Glad to have you, sure, I said. And you too, Link. I didn't want to say anything when our captain picked out the fellas, but I thought we ought to have our old skinny guy along, as we were going to use your big white launch, Link. You'd hurt my feelings if you didn't, said Link, grinning. And I couldn't help but think of the old days, when I saw him standing there, in his old clothes that he wore years ago, with ragged pants and broken suspender, his hair beginning to curl again at the ends, his long teapot nose, and his long legs and arms. I couldn't help but think of the old days when he used to run around here with no mammy, and worse than no daddy. How times change. We walked up the river path together, and I was happy. Oh boy. The old skinny guy back with me again, and the twins, and good old reliable Perry Stokes. What more could a boy want? I just felt as though this was going to be the best vacation I ever had. But then, I happened to think of Pooley and his Knights of the Square Table. It would be if they didn't get too bothersome. Last year, it was Harkinson and his Red Runners. I had thought them the worst I ever met. But from all that we could learn of the Knights, we were to meet even worse before we finished. Oh, well, I guess it's all in a lifetime. A boy just can't go through life easy sailing. He has to meet some fellows who won't be friends, and he has to have fights. And I felt certain that now, with 14 members in our crowd, most of them good fighters and clever boxers, we would get through with little damage. Doc Waters had all the camping outfit on his sidewalk, and he was waiting with his automobile for us. It took two loads, however, to get the stuff down to the boats. After we had it packed, I whistled for the boys, and they came up from the ball lot. You fellas gotta get your own canoes and skiffs, I said. We got everything else packed. So they each went and got a boat and tied them in a long string behind the pretty white launch, and then we were ready. Wait a minute, yelled Jerry Moore. I forgot my fishing tackle. Never mind, Jerry, I said. You can use some of mine. Don't delay the start now. But Jerry wouldn't listen to me. He ran up to the clubhouse and brought his tin black box with his fishing outfit. We were ready to go. Link ran up into the little pilot house and Shadow went with him. Harold and Dick stayed in the cabin with the other boys while I stood out on the bank for a last word with Doc Waters. I'll be up a little while this afternoon, Hawkins, he said. You'll never find us. I told him and smiled. You're not going to take a chance? He said with a worried look. No, but we are going to find a new spot on the creek bank. Tell you what, Doc, I'll come back for you this afternoon and show you the way. How's that? All right, Hawkins, but remember, 
I'm dependent upon you. You've got to take care of them and see that there's no trouble. Be careful of the water. There's not much danger in creek water, Doc. It ain't deep, and we got plenty good swimmers. Lifesavers they are. I'll watch out for everything. So that was settled, and Doc went on to his automobile. I called Perry Stokes. Perry, I said. Somebody's got to stay at the clubhouse today. We will all be back tonight after we've got the camp fixed up. We've got to let the parents know, you understand? And Doc Waters will fix that, all right, so that we can get away tomorrow and stay in camp. You want me to stay, sir? Nobody else would do, Perry. You're the most watchful fella in the gang. All I want you to do is stick around the clubhouse and see that no knights of the square table get in and muss things up. You've got the rifle? Always keep it handy, sir. It's never loaded. Don't load it, Perry, but keep it in your arms and stay close to the clubhouse. I'll sit on the porch, sir, right on the front steps. That will do. Nobody will come close if they see you there with the rifle, Perry. Remember, I trust you. Never forget that, Hawkins, he said with a smile. And then I waved to him and ran down the bank. The engine was running and Link was waiting for the word. Let her go, yelled Harold as I leaped aboard. And so we started on our camping trip. What it was to hold in store for us, the good Lord only knew. I was trying to make the summer a happy one for the boys and doing the best thing I knew. But even the best plans go wrong sometimes, and so I considered that perhaps, before many days had passed, we would not be so carefree as we were this happy day. We had to go slow up the creek. At this time of the year, it isn't very deep water, and the way Link steered that white launch surprised everybody. But, of course, we had not taken into consideration the fact that he had been practically living on this launch for a year, and had learned some tricks. We passed slowly up the narrow stream. It does look extra narrow when you come out of the river into the creek, and past the old mill, lying among its tangle of wild growth like a ghost of the past. Every eye was turned on the old ramshackle mill as we passed, but there wasn't a soul in sight, nor did we hear a sound from it. I think we're safe, said a voice at my elbow, and turning I saw Herb Akum standing beside me, his hands upon his hips and a smile on his freckled face. They've given up the old mill, Hawkins. I hope so, I said but we will go a bit further up before we pitch our tent. Not that I think you're wrong about it, Herb, but I ain't got any particular liking for that haunted-looking mill. It's a beautiful sight, isn't it? But who knows what kind of a secret it might hold. Herb shook his head. Never can tell, he said, and then he walked away and joined the other boys. Shadow Loomis came up to me. Look at that beautiful spot, Hawkins. Right in the crook of the bend. He pointed to the wildwood that grew within the horseshoe formed by the next bend above us. That's where we camp, I said as soon as I saw it. Boys, we can't find a more beautiful spot than this. We'll have a regular paradise here. And look at the deep water. Say, Link, can you steer close to the shore here? I yelled up to the pilot house. Link showed me by a nod of his head that he understood and turned the boat's nose shoreward. The engine stopped its mumbling. The boys all shifted forward. Harold sprang out with the rope to tie her up. I turned to the boys. Here we are. I said, this is going to be the camping place. Now everybody will have to get out and help. Work as hard as you can because we've got to finish before sundown. We will all have to work like the Dickens. Which we did. End of chapter 7